Hi, it's Michael and Anthony here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for the current challenges, but also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week, with Anthony Turner from the Small Business Mentoring Service, we'll interview a different small business expert or a fellow business owner and get them to share their best tips and insights for you, the listeners. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks also to our supporters, Kerr Capital and the Small Business Mentoring Service. Okay, so welcome to today's edition of Small Business Banter Radio. Um, Marnie Roberts from Wine Grapes is with us today. Marnie is a winemaker, um, but in addition, she's um, in charge of uh, a cooperative of um, wine growers, and that's um, what we're going to talk about today, that cooperative model of making wine. Um, Marnie, pleased to have you in. Thanks for making time. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Hi, Anthony. How are you both? Good? Yeah. Excellent, thanks. And Anthony Great. Turner from the Small Business Mentoring Service. Um, Marnie, yeah, you're a wine great, uh, a winemaker by trade, but um, can you give us a, a couple of minutes on your background leading up to what attracted you to the um, to wine grapes and the model of uh, growing on behalf of a collective of wine uh, grape growers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, I grew up over in Mildura, which is the top part of Victoria, and. Um, we, as I grew up, I grew up on a, an apple orchard and then um, citrus from dried fruit to to then wine grapes um, towards the end and hated it, hated it, everything off the land um, because, you know, you had to work after school. And, but I was always surrounded by the, the co-ops, the old school co-ops, you know, the, the growers getting together, um, you know, back in the 80s and 90s and things like that. Um, and then as I left school, I, I got a job in a winery um, to try and earn some money to travel. I wanted to travel overseas and found that if I did a vintage each year, I could travel. And, and in doing that, started to fall in love with the whole winemaking um, or the wine industry and having the background of, of being, a, a, I guess, what they call over there, a blocky's daughter, um, understanding from the grower's point of view a lot of it rather than from a corporate or a winemaking point of view. So um, throughout probably the last, so that's, you know, 25 years been um, slogging along in the industry and uh, one of the, um, the the manager general manager of wine grapes approached me uh, for a job so I'd worked with her for about 10 years on and off through other various things and um, this job came up and I I was just really attracted to it, it, it you know really works around what I, what I do for myself but also you know the ethos of it working for a collective of it's about 120 growers now. It's quite large, uh, and making wine for them rather than for the company, I guess. So that's sort of how it all happened, quite yeah. naturally. Yeah. So you 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 
grown up around cooperatives, which, as we discussed, uh, I think yesterday when we had a chat, you know, that's a, it's an old business model, but it, it one that is sort of in a, I think it's in a resurgence. Um, mm. But we particularly link that to you're based in regional South Australia. Um, yes. and, and a lot of you know, our audience is based in the regional areas. So mm. um, we'll come back to the cooperative, but um, what what it what I understand it to you know, some of the benefits to be is that you're supporting uh, local people, local growers, and local yep. communities. So is is that is that one of the key things for you that there's a you know it's not big corporate, it's it's supporting the the community, the town. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, being a, 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 I live in Clare Valley, I'm a regional girl and uh, live out in the in Blythe actually, which is even a smaller town out of Clare, about 300, 300 people. And I think it's really important when you live somewhere or, or grow something or, or a part of a production of it, it needs to go back to to where it's come from and that just goes really at the heart of part of everything as well. So uh, I work a lot with growers um over the last years anyway, it's really important to get that right and it goes goes back into the land and all that effort and then you reap the re- rewards from that. So without that that link and going back to the to this community, there's no point really. Yeah, so. and, and are you seeing, you know, over the, the – how long have you been with wine grapes for? Uh, I've been with them for a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and is the, is the um, supply side of things um, changing? You're seeing more – smaller local growers um, activate and get involved or, or was it was it a case of that this is a better option for them um, than they might have previously had in terms of you know selling and 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 growing uh, making wine sorry well I think the the, the reach is, is further you know so they have more access to a lot more um, opportunities than they would if they went out by themselves you know there's there's quite a a vast array of um, skill sets within within the business itself, and also it creates this network of the growers communicating with each other. So um, that's that's sort of really important as well is is linking up that that network within the network. So smaller growers see that you know they're, they're together they've got more more pull, but also they can lean on each other a bit more as well. So that that's probably the important thing about it as well. So money with the um cooperative process um yeah you're talking about the growing side of things does this come together mm-hmm. and in terms of um the individual growers come up and they come up with blended products or do they sort of uh, all mm. individually labeled and they market themselves so how, how does it work in sort of that broader context of the co-op um, a bit like the um the old adfa in um, around mildura for many years yeah um, yeah. yeah that sort of style is it that sort of style where lots of individual products or is it sort of more blended I guess uh, so. What what I, the company Wine Grapes offers is is two aspects, and the wine side of it came into play probably about five six years ago. Um, primarily, this was put together to go in as a stronger unit to sell grapes uh, individually, and that's that was essentially the goal. Uh, and then there was an opportunity to go well if we can't sell the grapes for that amount of money, maybe we could make the wine for the grower and sell that and then they'd make more that way. So I guess it's just creating an extra opportunity. So from that, um, it is still like it's the property of the grower. Um, It may be an individual product from the grower or it may be 
a blend of it, but that percentage, you know, is still owned by them. So we might put it together with something else and it might make more money and then that gets spread out through the whoever's own ownership of that product is. So really bypasses that um, that corporate, you know, we'll buy that fruit off you and that's it sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, so what, what was that what was their best option before this um, pre-sell at a, at a fixed rate depending on, you know, what the final product looked like and conditions? Is, it, was that the alternative? Yeah, well, initially the option was like sell it as fruit. The fruit doesn't sell, then stays on the vine or it gets chopped on the ground. Um, and the wine part of it gave the grower the opportunity to still it has risk involved. Um, at the time, you know, the bulk market was a different beast back then to what it is now, um, and it, we, we could speculate a bit more, uh, obviously, with things going on export-wise and, and domestically. Mm. Uh, it's changed a bit. So now um, the, the, the winemaking arm has developed to work in um, cohesion and, and have a set market to go to where the, the model is still the same, the grower still has the owns the, the wine, but then it actually has a market to go to, and and from that, this next brand has developed. I suppose, give some, you know, confidence. I suppose, Marty, there's a, a lot of potential cost savings for individual growers in terms of winemaking by using the cooperative model. So you know, you like combine infrastructure and things like that. So mm. how does that side of it work? Well, basically, um, you know, we take care of all of that. So we um, have a processing facility. And uh, the costs that are involved with that are incorporated into the cost of per litre. Um, the grower is still the producer. So there is, there is that um, small cost of, of producing it. And then what we do is calculate that out. And because we go in as a group, as a larger number as well, the costs of that are greatly reduced. So um, it really uh, works out quite well. And in most cases, uh, we can sort of make the money that way. But um, cost per litre is incorporated into that. And so we value both out and give the options both to the grower. So, And are some of the growers um, making wine for themselves? Are some of them uh, on selling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are. They have their own producer licence. Um, yeah. So they sort of take that on. So they have the producer's licence, so they still own the wine. And then... Um, but some of them are making on the side, you know, they might take that some of that wine for themselves. I mean, a good example, one of the original um, founders of the of the wine grapes was um, Paxton Wines, and he was on the board. And obviously, you know, he has um, developed the, the Paxton brand, but he's still very much a, a part of the, the group. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and look, on today's edition of Small Business Banter Radio, we're, we're talking with Marnie Roberts from Wine Grapes, wine grower and um, champion of the cooperative model. Um, you, you, you quickly mentioned um, some of the current uh, or referenced some of the current challenges we have with exporting wine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Globalisation, um, how, how does this smaller scale mesh or does it mesh with um, you know, what was for a long time a, a global-looking wine industry that wanted to export and is that still on the cards in a different way or is it um, are we, are we re- reimagining how wine is grown and sold? Yeah, I think we are reimagining. Um, I think the, the, the idea of making a product in the hope it will sell on the market and take that risk 
are far too great. I think now people are purposely going out and sort of setting up a or, or pre-sale or setting up these relationships with um, export markets or, or internally that they know they've got a bit more security in, in mm. what they're selling. I don't think, I think the days of, you know, just crushing a few thousand tonnes to make wine in the hopes that it'll sell at China and just going to trade shows and all that, I think that's too much of a risk now, especially for a group such as this. So um, building up that that relationship is is ever more vital. So, I mean, there's only so much the UK can take on. Yeah. You know, they'll get flooded in the next couple of months and, and there's a lot of big players out there that can um, swing in with their pricing and, and quality and so you've got to build up that's re- the relationship part of it's really important so yeah 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 it's um in a recent discussion we had um warwick powell who's an adjunct professor up at uh in uh, queensland uni i think it was um he he was talking about um uh, the beef industry in particular using blockchain technology to help validate and verify you know paddock to plate um, and and so in turn really um, enabling producers to, to charge a premium because they could account for where you know the animal mm. was grown and 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 um, right through to you know landing on a plate somewhere else so mm. um, is that is that a um, with smaller producers now for you uh, are we getting even more granular on on that you know uh, where wine is grown and, and and the story around it I think so I think it goes hand in hand I mean if you don't Everyone loves a good story. And if you don't have a story, especially with wine, wine's so, you know, arty-farty and, and thought of in this regard anyway, and you drink a glass of wine and the more you drink, the more, you know, deep in thought you get. The more arty it gets, yeah. 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 So <laughs> uh, it's always good to have that story with it. But there there are some um, people, you know, that I know that are talking about innovation of putting a, a chip of a, a type of thing into the cap screw cap of the wine um and having that as security to so that they can scan that and they know that that's actually um where it's come from so that they can't that's less less chance of it being um yeah messed with yeah messed with yeah yeah. so or copied yeah so yeah that's a big issue Mm. i mean one of the things that's just springing to my mind and sort of was touched on before as well is the the benefits to the actual local communities of having um, you know the the cooperative sort of model working in and around their areas. Um, you know, how do you find that you know the local communities um, benefit in by having this sort of process, as distinct from the more traditional uh, competitive type um, growing selling type uh, model? I think it gives the the community more power. You know, you give uh, more power to the individual grower and as as a group as well and that they it creates this um belief and this you know positive reinforcement in the community as well i think the biggest issue uh in a lot of small communities is you always feel like you're just trudging on and and that mental health part of it's really hard as well so not only seeing the financial part of it going back into the into the town but you're also seeing this this belief and this faith and what they're doing and and you know this ongoing you know we want to keep growing the best we can because we can see it's a positive effect. We can see where it's going, and we know that we're we're you know we're looked after. So, you know. So, can you see really big differences between um, 
community areas that may have done this. And the reason I'm asking the question is mm. is more for the other regional communities that you know we're broadcasting to that mm. uh, may be thinking about how they might be able to um, increase their uh, particular communities. I mean, we've had obviously bushfires, we've had floods, we've had droughts, we've had COVID, we've had all of these different things impacting and regional communities are the ones seem to get hit hardest. And I'm just wondering whether there might be some opportunities here for other communities and other industries to be th- looking at your model and how they yep. can actually get things happening. Yeah, I think I think it's something to really look at. I mean, it's funny you talk about, not funny, but the bushfires and then the rain that they've had up in, in New South Wales, for instance. And so they've had two years of, of nothing, no crops. And uh, that doesn't really make it a very viable industry or very viable um, thing to, to look at. And, we, you know, um, we've been contacted as well because we're, we're together a, a pot of resource um, that can pull from South Australia, the entire region. And I think, you know, with, with that one contact that can then like, all right, shoot it off to that person or to that that person. And I think that there's real, you know, it's quite valid to, to look at working as a group, as a unit. You know, we have our winemakers associations, but you need to be on the front foot a bit more. We're a bit, perhaps a bit more reliant on each other internally in Australia um, now, you know, and recognise these borders are, you know, we're gonna we're gonna help out. Yeah. Um, um, the, one of the key things that we we were interested in discussing, money, um, loved chatting about the, you know, the, the what we've chatted about, but mm. the day to day. Uh, opportunities and challenges and and difficulties around setting up a cooperative and then and then managing a cooperative on an ongoing basis i'm not sure exactly what your role is within you know the cooperative but can you talk about you know the you know it, it's a business model mm-hmm. and and it seems to suit you know uh, probably a lot of um industries it seems to fit well with regional communities because there's you know it, it ties everybody together but what are some of the practicalities of setting up and, and then managing a cooperative on an ongoing basis? I'd be prepared to drive a lot. Um, so that, that I've, I think I've clocked up about 30,000 kilometres in the past few months. Um, because you are regional, you, you can do a lot, you know, with technology and, and contacting and the phone and things like that, but you, you need to have a, a group that, that has their sections and you need to be able to go out, see the grower, see the fruit through the whole process. Um, I think Australia is such a big continent, you know. So yesterday I drove for seven hours down to Langhorne Creek and back yeah. to to look at, um, you know, wines and, and get everything happening. And I think the, the reality of something like this is uh, probably just the logistics of, of distance. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and, and I chatted to you and I, I thought what a great road trip and then I realised you probably do it every, you know, every week or two. So, but, you know, at, a, at the level of um, um, managing the cooperative, you've got 100 growers, how, how does, you know, how's deci- how are decisions made about, um, you know, managing the cooperative? I'm just trying to understand, you know, it's, okay. it's, it's different to if you're in your own business, you do what you do what you want. In a cooperative, there are obligations and responsibilities mm. and rules and guidelines, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, there is a board. Yeah, um, okay. There is a board that sits and, and they have your general meetings and there are certain requirements that you need to um, fulfil to be a part of the co-op. Uh, and there's also um, key account managers, I suppose, that manage certain sections uh, of the regions and then manage that process. And we all sort of intertwine. So there's probably... 
you know, on the board, there's about, I think, six or seven board members. Uh, and within the actual business itself, um, there's, I'm just counting, seven of us. Yeah. Uh, and I'm the wine, only winemaker, so I'm the winemaking arm of it. And I work with those other seven people. Um, there's, you know, two, uh, three three people that work within certain groups of growers and then there's a general manager and we kind of pull all that together. So there is some structure in there. Yeah. Um, and, but, and and reporting, uh, you know, like out to uh, your, your reporting, you know, you've got corporate obligations but also communicating what's going on with the cooperative to all of the, yep. um, the members. Yeah. No, the board reporting and communication of, of everything where we're at to is vital. Because um, if we don't have that transparency, then how do you get the the faith in what you're doing and the commitment from the grower? So um, there, there's no no hidden walls, and um, we go out and we do visit a fair bit. But there are key key members that that drive that and are responsible for putting that together. And, so. and yeah, presumably there's quite a few that are you know don't get involved in in wine growing, grape growing, wine making, and they're just there to you know it's a it's a form of uh, of a business structure that needs to be managed. Do, do you see it having application more broadly in other industries uh, for other regional communities? Would you endorse the cooperative model? I think I would, as long as there's a, a, a strong ethos and driving force that's laid out to make it fair for everyone. Because you know, you always with these things, you get the the you know. The growers with that are, that are more prominent and have more money or stronger or whatever. So you need to make it a fair playing uh, playing ground for everyone, and you need to have the the key um, people in place that that keep that structure going. So there still needs, even though it's a, a group, there still needs to be structure and there still needs to be um, rules to follow. I suppose. Yeah, and you talked about having an ethos in there. Is that is that going right back to? to the beginning and saying we're, this cooperative is set up for these reasons and yeah. this is our purpose? Is that what you're uh, hinting at there? Yeah, I guess ultimately the goal is to we work for the grower and we do the best that we can. Whether So there's a few services that are offered, whether it's um, so the actual wine grapes company within the, in the collective, uh, whether it's help manage your vineyard, um, or manage uh, sale of the fruit or harvesting or if you want the wine, make wine from your fruit. So it's about creating options and opportunities so that grower can get the best because ultimately it's, it's we work for the grower and we have to give them the best return. Yeah, okay. It, yeah, um, do, do, longer term, do you see that that's, uh, you know, you've broken down some of the the day-to-day challenges, you know, individual vineyards might ha- have. Mm. Do, do you see that as um, as a bit of, uh, perhaps a pathway to, to attract more growers in because there is that those resources uh, and support available through the rest of the grower network? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we always encourage other members to join and I think, you know, that's why we encourage you know, people to talk within the community and let let them know that you know re- the faith in the, in the business model is as such that gives them a bit more confidence to growing fruit. So, um, as a grower, there's nothing worse than spending a whole year growing something with that uncertainty. I mean, there's always a, an element of uncertainty, but if you can go, you know, that's that's committed to that and it's bought and sold, and 
there's more mm. options. That's always a good thing. Options are always a good thing. Yeah, a bit, a bit more support than uh, we don't like the quality of the fruit or and uh, so we're not going to buy it. It's It can be pretty harsh, can't it? Well, when, you, you know, I've, I've, I've been, I've seen, seen it firsthand where the big company might come out and they haven't been there all year and, you know, the fruit's nearly ripe and they're like, well, we don't actually need it. You know, it's not, not what we need. It's not up to the quality. And, and then what do you do, you know? Who, who have you got to lean on? And that, that still happens sometimes. And mm. um, some of the growers within the collective, that happens too. And then we go, all right, we'll find a home for it, mm. you know, because you've got this network now. So, so. I think South Australia is still the biggest producer of uh, grapes uh, in Australia. Is that? Yep. Is that yeah. Um, we're, like in, we're, we're coming up to our time, unfortunately, but where, where do you see uh, the wine industry uh, heading to over the next five or ten years, um, and is it a is it is it an industry that you um, you see a lot of promise in? A lot of uh, it, it, albeit a different perhaps um, industry than it is or has been. God, that's a loaded question. That's a big one. Mm. Um, You've got thirty five seconds. <laughs> no, no, I- <laughs> no. You can take as much time. No, I think I think the industry uh, has growth. I think it has strength. It's been interesting. Obviously, the the loss of the Chinese export, how people have reacted. I do think there's this imbalance at the moment of where fruit or where wine is ultimately going to go to, and there's this unknown. But a lot of people still have faith and drive in it. I mean, you know, we've taken in in more fruit, and and it does make you a little bit more worried. But as long as the quality's there, and you know, you, you prepared to know what, what your limits are and what you need and what you require, then there's still growth. I don't think the growth will be huge, but I still think there will be growth. I think it's just a case of re, readjusting what you expect back from it for yeah. the next few years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe it'll, it might tend to more of that um, smaller producers, um, uh, you know, like localised money. Um, we really appreciate your time today on small business banter um it's it's um you know fascinating discussion about the wine industry but yeah the as i said the um the key to us uh in terms of the audience that we talk to is looking for different ways to do business and the cooperative model has been around a long time but as you know i think we're all agreeing it's um it's very appropriate and very timely and so hopefully um people will take from that something and 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 consider that for their own industry so we really appreciate your time marnie no worries thank you so much for having having me and um i look forward to talking to you guys again sometime all right marnie take care thanks very much thank you So that's all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. Anthony and I continue to be inspired by bringing you small business experts and other small business owners and hearing their stories. For any of the links, resources or information we've talked about on the show today or to contact Anthony or myself, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com or you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram. Anthony and I would love you to tune in at the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.